Hello again, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 30, the season finale and the the wrap-up of my conversation with, uh, with Nicola Rossini about Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. We left off last time talking about the question uh, that that a lot of folks ask as they make the decision to drop out and quote unquote drop out to to exit off of the freeway of of K through 12 in education in this country um and that question is often uh, why am i putting up with being abused when i can just go pay my rent um when i can just enter the workforce um so uh, and i mean the the wonderful part about this book was the way she articulates all the different off-ramps that, that are very real for people in very different situations, whether it's, you know, look, I'm better off dealing drugs than going to school. Um, you know, I, I won't get evicted then. Uh, or if I am evicted, I'll have the money to find a new place. Um, if I'm a 12-year-old taking care of four siblings, that's, you know what, I, I got to do what I got to do. And and again, we come back to the conviction of this this country's supposed morals around why the fuck is that happening? How the hell do we allow that and condone that in this country? Because um, bluntly, if <laughs> when selling drugs is the rational thing to do, we've got a problem, uh, and 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 it is the rational thing to do for that twelve year old, because because they got to put a roof over their head, over the head of their siblings. I get it. It's got to be done. Um, yeah, and, and I think we can do better, bluntly. I don't think it's it's hard to say that we can do better. So, welcome to the finale episode and the wrap-up of, of this amazing shared experience with Nicola. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I did, both <laughs> the initial conversation and in, in putting together something that I hope works for bite-sized bits of it, digestible bits of it for you. Uh, yeah, let's dive right back on in. And to get out of this situation and by it's leaving. not just women of color that experience that like mm -hmm. i mean to be blunt again this affects everybody i remember having to to deal with a, a a bully that my my daughter had as a teacher um who who was not keeping a safe classroom who was letting boys do pretty much whatever they want to pick on girls um because and she would just tell people they were stupid right like that kind of just crazy bullshit and you know, when Madison hit back because some some boy called her fat, I was like, I don't really have a problem with it. And I told the principal that. I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to take her home and give her ice cream. She's standing up for her fucking body. Where the fuck are you? Why aren't you showing up with a teacher that's doing this shit? Like, that's that's the crazy nature of this whole thing. And again, it's all around respectability, doing things the right way, the, the norm, all of that. So... I'm conscious of time because I know, I know you got to go in like uh, 15 minutes. Yeah. So we, I could do this all day. I know me too. <laughs> and this book could support it because I'm skipping about eight other bookmark stuff. And that was down from like the 40 that I had originally dog-eared. Um, but I'm on page 230, no, 257. I can't read because I don't have my glasses on, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. This section here hit me hard because I, I started calling, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a life coach. I'm an executive coach, but <laughs> I, I get to be really selective about who I work with. It's only folks that I, you know, that I say I can fall in love with. And here's why, because I call my, my, I don't call these people, my clients. I, I call them my co-conspirators. I need them to be up to shit that matters in the fucking world because otherwise I just can't, 
I can't muster the, the heart to, to do the work that I do. And it, it's, it, so anyway, I love that she uses something similar on page 257. Um, she says she'll, she's an ally, all right, but not a good one. And she will probably never be an accomplice because her privilege lets her find people who will accept her performance without expecting any real work from her. At this, this right here, like when I'm sitting in, in my women's studies classes and my professor is holding me up as an example and I'm like, no, don't you dare fucking do that in this environment. It drives me nuts um, mm-hmm. because like we're dumbing it down for the white boy in the room is what I feel like. And I, I can't have that. I can't fucking have that. Cause I gotta be, I, I gotta be able to count on folks to hold me accountable when I fuck it up. Um, well, let me offer this too. go, go. It holds back what your potential is. Yes. Yes. When, when we say we're going to code switch everything in a feminist studies class for the one white guy in the room, yep. we are presuming that the best you can do is be a foreign exchange student in this space. Yeah. When in fact, we know that as a human, you can get to better if we just let you figure out your learning space to there. And it ignores the fact that I'm there because I know I need to spot the parts of myself I cut off decades mm-hmm. ago. I'm there to find those parts and to get them back and activated and part of me. It's, uh, it's why I love the fact that she doesn't just use the term ally. She uses the term accomplice. She uses it this whole page. White feminism has to move past the idea of being an, an ally and into being an accomplice in order to be meaningful. The difference to me, so that, that's her, those are, that was her sentence. The mm-hmm. difference to me is what I talk about when I talk about... Um, like, that's why I do this work. It's not just for, uh, I don't sit in that women's studies class just for women. And I don't learn about BIPOC folks and the needs of, 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 of the black communities in this country just for their sake. I learn also because I know that there are parts of me that have been cut away by my whiteness, by my maleness, by my, by what people perceive as my able-bodiedness, all of that shit. And I need it back. I need those parts back so that I, I love that she phrases it as an accomplice because it still centers the work toward the, the most disadvantaged. Right. But it, it mm-hmm. says that these people have to know that they have skin in the game. And that's, that is the entire fucking argument of killing the great white male is to ask white men, where's your fucking skin in the game? So she says here, and, and I would say this is what Killing the Great White Male is about, is this last paragraph on 257. Accomplice feminists would actively and directly challenge white supremacist people, policies, institutions, and cultural norms. They would know they do not need to have the same stake in the fight to work with marginalized communities. They would put aside their egos and their need to be centered in our struggles in favor of following our instructions— because they would int, uh, internalize the reality that if their privilege that their privilege doesn't make them experts in our oppression, just oh oh this style of feminism would be performative, would not pay lip service to equality while sustaining and supporting those who actively work against it. Becoming an accomplice feminist is not simply semantic. Accomplices do not just talk about bigotry; they do something about it. Sorry, this is the last page of the book too. So for those of you who are going to read it, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go a bit before you get here. But accomplice feminists not only address the dangers of the normalization of extreme 
white supremacist views. They interrogate and challenge the cultural standards that underpin those views. They don't just stand in the sidelines watching while marginalized people are brutalized for protesting. They stand between the white supremacist systems, which are less likely to harm them, and those that the systems are trying to harm. This isn't a single-day fight. This is a commitment to work against white supremacy in the same way that other marginalized communities do. So there, there's more, but God damn it, just like that's it. That's right there. Well, and the the discussion of you know sometimes, uh, particularly when we're in the corporate sphere, oh. um, there's a third step too, which is advocacy. Yep. It Say is. More. It is actually flat out saying. Um, so there is a tendency to apply the code of conduct argument to the person holding up the mirror, not the one yes. perpetuating the abusive system. Yep. Right. Yep. And part of what winds up happening in the, in the flex or the response is the, but I'm just an accomplice to this person. And that next step further is advocacy and not waiting for somebody else to be in pain to yes. challenge a norm that is a problem. Yep. Right. It is um, oh God, one I of the one of the fundamental so things when we talk about like this is this is the thing that I always tell like I get um, I get these questions of like what's one thing I can do as a white man. Yep. And, and, you know, number one, I will always say, like, tell every woman in your life and particularly every femme presenting person in your life, because, boy, do we beat up our our non-binary and any version of femme presenting caregiver. Yep. Um, tell them what you are making as a salary in an equivalent position. But oh, damn. the other thing that I add is don't wait for like the gift of feminism is the way that I frame it is that you can just be uncomfortable in a situation because you're uncomfortable. Yes. You don't have to wait for me to be upset that I'm being catcalled. And particularly like it can be very, very hard in these power imbalance areas to call that truth to power. Yep. And in fact, when we watch some of our folks and we're like, Hey, you should, you should put in a complaint against that guy. That's not right. And they say, no, no, it's fine. Yeah, you can just put in a complaint that you are uncomfortable working somewhere that that is allowed. You don't have to name the person. And, and who... let's go beyond comfort here. Yeah. I fear for my safety. I, I, mm -hmm. I had this experience when I, when I well, this was actually during the skirt project when I was doing the 30 days in a skirt. But it's continued when I wear, uh, I wear skirts and kilts in public still. Um it, the experience of having being whistled at and then turning around and not knowing who whistled at me. And it, it got to the point because at first I was like, Ooh, I like, I want to talk to the guy about this. Like what, what is this? Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't even fucking own the fact that they, they had whistled at me. Like they wouldn't yep. even engage the topic. It was the most disturbing part of the entire fucking project that I, I, there was zero engagement from people on, on the topic. It just, it, it, and one day I came home and I said to Sarah, uh, you know, I, I, I don't feel safe. Like I, I, I feel like I'm prey at that point. Um, I, I, oh God, how did, oh, what did she say? Oh, I said, it, it feels predatory. And she said, yeah, whistling is always predatory. Mm -hmm. And it just stopped my world. Like how many times have I done that to my spouse or partner? Thinking that right. noticing how attractive she was would be affirming for her. 
but because I'm using this tool of white supremacist patriarchy, ableism, and all this other bullshit, it, it, it becomes predatory. And it, that's yeah. terrifying. Like, well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this to you yeah, because go. you knew me then. When I was 19, I was walking embodied internalized misogyny. How often did I catcall you when you showed up in tie-dye shorts for Friendly Friday? Oh my gosh. Okay. Say more. Right? I'm having trouble with that one. And and in many ways it was yep. the the presumption that for me to be safe, I gotta outdo the dudes, right? Yep. That that was as much as as much as there is a part of me that is what we would call like in the Hebrew tradition Shekinah, like it, it is it is feminine power. Yeah. There was a part of me that didn't understand how to own it and didn't understand how to live it. Like I, this, again, with the memes, right? There's yeah. that meme that talks about any smart girl has a witchy face. And that's because we punish intelligent women as witches. Yep. Right? Like what else, what other historical tradition do I have? Whether, whether I actually agree or believe in it or not, like I got yes. nothing else to lean on. Maybe it's star charts and tarot cards. Like, and, and that's not to denigrate those tools. Like, that's just like, oh, you're reaching for something and we've pulled it out of everything else. So, but recognize that this is where it exists. But it's, it's an interesting thing that I had to sit and unpack. I said a lot of egregious things and often to men. Like, it was a, it was a punching okay. up situation, yep. which is why none of you complained about it and none of you had a problem. Because, like, what was the set? Like, I started college at 16. Yeah. And I was around because we were a commuter school, a lot of 30 year olds like yep. there was there was no threat that I posed to anybody, combat uh, boots and all in that situation by me saying that. But it was absolutely internalized misogyny and action of this is how I show my power and assert myself as an equal. Yes. And fight. like it's kind of that way that like pumpy, puppies humping them each other isn't sexual. It's dominance. Yes. Yep. Yes. And it's. It's it's an interesting right like and that tends to be where the complaint against second wave feminism you know the the writings of Andrew Dworkin and those sorts of things come in, and get unfortunately polluted into gender essentialism. Yeah. Right. There are many of those thought leaders of that time who unfortunately passed young that were actually speaking into the void of the gender spectrum and agenderism. Mm. but were coded as masculinity, right? It is nearly impossible to find Leslie Feinberg's Stone Butch Blues right now. And I don't know why. And the best we can figure is that, well, it, pre it, it presents as a way to be self-loathingly female or unidentifyingly transmasculine. It's like, or they were observing what they were living in and sorting yeah. it through. Which, which, which I guess is, is the ask. Like, mm -hmm. you, you list those things off, and I'm sitting here going, oh, God, man, my scorecard of toxic masculinity and, and white supremacy is, is, is legion um, when I look back. It's so hard. Like, I, I'm sure that part of why I have a reaction against these things still today is because I know that that lives in me, and I, I know that I, I have to get rid of it. Um, thank you to my therapist. Um, <laughs> but it... I don't know where the hell I was going with that. I totally lost it. But it, 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 yeah, I, I, you said something really, really important. Mm -hmm. And I've lost it. 
<laughs> That's how we're going out today, folks. By the way, yeah. <laughs> lost well, I, you know, I think, I think, I think where we can go out is the like. There's no perfect. It is yes. messy, and the, this is yes. this is. Um, I just fundamentally watched this happen as a rupture in a group where somebody was like, it's going to be messy, but bring it to us when there's a problem. And we brought it to them when there's a problem and they want to know why they're being attacked. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay, we need to let go of messiness feeling like an attack. Yes. Um, and I, I will, um, I learned this phrasing from Nicole Brewer, who is um, an incredible artist and actress and also um, equity instructor. And the phrasing that she introduces in so many of her courses is, what would it feel like for the most harmed and vulnerable against, among us to be fully supported, loved, and appreciated? Mm. And, and overwhelmingly, like, that is the positive point of this yes. book, is that it talks about how to listen, where those things are, and where our own cognitive biases and blinders because we've been trained, right? Like yes. we have to recognize that we have been trained for our safety and comfort to believe these things. And that's why it's hard to unpack them. We are social animals. Race is not real, but racism is because we are social animals. <laughs> and, and again, it is the uh, high fructose corn syrup. Yep. It's in everything. Yes. It's permeated through things. It's just, it's hard. You can't take it out of the cake mix. Yep. We're going to have to look at, what's a different recipe yeah but that there are other people already making those recipes yes and and we have to be willing to be students mm -hmm. like there's there's the bottom line like for, for me at least i i don't i don't get there without sitting at the feet of people like kendall and and asking what do i have to learn um even when like like i mentioned a lot of the stuff I, i'm like i've been reading about this stuff across decades centuries like why the hell are we still doing this well because it still needs to be done because that nuance that she teases teases out of the difference between allyship and an accomplice somebody who's in it with me um damn yeah that's that's absolutely nailed it so I'm conscious of the time we <laughs> we have to wrap <laughs> thank you so much Nicola for doing this um yeah <laughs> thank you thank you thank you for inviting me to um i know i'm gonna regret saying this but i will do this anytime with any book uh so Yay! if more people want to do this um i'm happy to because if if have your readers done emergent strategy yet um i don't Adrian think marie brown's no uh -uh. okay I... I will i will put that on your list somewhere because <laughs> that's where we get to get into the tactics um, and so, I think that's fundamentally where people get lost, yes, right? The enormity yeah. of, but how can I? It's so big. You start with what's in front thing. of you. Like, mm -hmm. the, every experience matters, and it means we have to wake up and be present, which is, I, I mean, that, that right there is no small task in a society mm -hmm. that needs us to be asleep. Um, it, yeah. It was the end of entertainment that people protested. Yes. When the lockdown happened. Why can't I go see a fucking movie? Why can't I escape? Yeah. Anyway. Why Why can I not numb out the way I am used to? Yes. Yeah. Alrighty. Thank you, my friend. I love you dearly. 
You're amazing. Thank you. This was delightful. Uh, thank you to everybody who listened to this <laughs> uh, and going on this journey with us. Yes. I'm excited. Yeah. I love too. it. Incredible. All right. right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yay! We did it. We, we, we have wrapped on season two. Um, so this is the season finale. Um, but as I say that, I'm already, <laughs> I already have two conversations lined up for uh, uh, later this summer or probably in August that I'm so excited about that I want to tell you about. Um, but reading incredible books with even more amazing humans. Um, yeah, so blah. All right. Um, I hope that you're enjoying this. Um, please reach out to me during the break if you, uh, well, bluntly, if you want to come talk on the show about a book, um, uh, yeah, ping me. We'll read a, an amazing book together and have a shared experience around it. Um, but more importantly, please be sharing this out with people. I, I, I can't say this often enough. It, like attracts like. You already know people who would enjoy, if you're enjoying this show, you know people who would enjoy this show. There's a reason that they consider you a friend. Uh, so please share it. Um, this is how we, we start the conversations that, that are actually going to uh, shift this country. Um, it, the BLM movement is, is so powerful right now. And, and it's time. Uh, God, BLM, me too. There's, there's, a, there's a million ways these movements are, are, are forcing these conversations. But it's not until, especially those of us that are, are white men or, or read as white men to the world, it's not until we get involved with this work in tearing down our own privilege that we get to live in a world that see, where we get to salvage our own humanity. That's the premise of this entire podcast. So we got to have those conversations with our friends. We got to share share in, in, in share experiences that matter. Uh, and and bluntly, if this if this podcast isn't doing that, well, please let me know how it could. Um, but if it is, man, please share it. Uh, talk to talk to folks about it. Yeah. All right. Hope you have a fantastic couple of months here, and I'll see you in August for more killing the great white male.